Yeah, they, they very often, you know, you, you talk to a top performing seller, the way they think about data and metrics is like, well, like, I got to do this or I'm going to get yelled at. So like, you know, I, I, I do these things, like I make this many calls or whatever. And then the rest of my time is actually on the thing that I know is effective because I'm a top performer and I know how to hit my number, right? And so they think about it as like, you know, that attacks really um, when, it, when it shouldn't be. Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Alex Kwame. Alex is the CEO of Pathlight, a performance management platform. And in our conversation today, Alex and I are talking about managing improving performance. It's been a favorite topic of mine on the show. And as Alex shares, it's not that there is a lack of data available to managers. It's about getting to the right data, the magic nuggets that reveal insights that make a difference. And then we talk about the importance of managers using this data to elevate the quality of the one-on-one -on -one coaching they provide. So again, to all this and much, much more, but before we get to Alex, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's jump into it. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Wow, yeah, pleasure to have you here. So tell us a little bit about uh, you and uh, what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Pathlight. Pathlight's a software pro platform built specifically for managing the productivity of sales and customer service teams. The, okay. The, my, my background, my co-founder's background, uh, we sold our last company to Yelp. And at Yelp, we were helping figure out how to manage thousands of sales reps. We realized, hey, gosh, management is kind of a hard job. Uh, mm. It's pretty important, too. Uh, and it's become really data-driven. And, and there's so many... There's so uh, uh, much uh, chatter about innovative things to do, but those core fundamentals of how can we get 3,000 people thinking about three metrics every day, that is the foundation of, of productivity, and we, we built a platform to help facilitate that. Well, define productivity in a sales context. In your mind, what is, what is productivity in sales? Productivity, in, in my mind, is, is simply... Uh, the process or, or achieving whatever goals uh, are set out by the business, right? And of course, we know that there are sometimes there can be good goals and bad goals. And so at effectively, productivity is whatever the inputs and outputs that the business needs from the sales team, that is, you know, the achievement of that is, is productivity. Now for our customers and for any, any sales org, productivity as it relates to activity and outreach and conversations uh, and then, of course, there's productivity as it relates to pipeline and revenue and kind of whatever those whatever those outputs are. Well, you, you distinguish between performance and productivity, it sounds like, right? Yeah, that's right. So perform, I mean, in, in, in many ways, they can be interchangeable. But the, the, the key thing is, and the, our, our number one goal is just helping people hit their goals. And, you know, at a leadership level, you might think about that as productivity. At the frontline level, you might think about that as performance. But at the end of the day, you've got, you've got goals. Of course you do. You're in sales. And, and you need to know how you're doing against them. And, and then you need to achieve them. Yeah. Well, I, I asked the question because I've talked about this on the show a lot. Is, is, yeah, I wonder whether we use productivity the right way in sales. I mean, to me, you know, I think about productivity in sales. I think about it a little differently. I think about... It's sort of classic sense of productivity. It's you know rate of output per unit of input, and and I think from a selling standpoint, that's revenue per hour of selling time. 
That's yeah. that's a measure of productivity, and everything else is just to me is just performance, right? Did you perform a certain level of activities? Well, one way you could think about it is productivity is looking at the first input and the last output, and then performance is how you're performing against those funnel steps in between, right? You look, you can look in between to see how I'm performing from you know, prospect to, to meeting, to meeting to SQL or, or, or what have you. But productivity, right. as you said, is like time in, dollar out. Yeah. Well, I guess I also sort of think about it as like, I'm not get too far down the rabbit hole on this, but it's, is, you know, if you have activity that doesn't lead to a productive outcome, meaning it doesn't lead to, to revenue, let's say, is it productive? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. I think that you know we've got these these metrics that we use in sales that, especially when you look in the software business, that uh, you know relatively low win rates as the end product. You know, in SaaS companies, very very typical. You know, twenty percent win rates. And you think, well, okay, well, hmm, with such low win rates, are are we measuring the right things? Right, because we're we're pretty good at measuring a lot of the activity, but we don't seem to. Do very good at saying, yeah, are we doing the right activities that lead to the type of outcomes we need? You're, you're spot on. It's like the, the, the two things that we work with our customers the most on are choosing the metrics that you want to manage. And one of the things that we try to encourage and, you know, we're usually met with shock is, hey, ideally that's three metrics and five is the mm-hmm. most, right? And of yeah, course, of you course. know, sales ops or, you know, the leader, they've got this dashboard that's got 50 metrics in it, right? 50, yeah. And, and, you Custom know, it's in multiple pages. You've seen it. Um, uh, and so that's the first step, right, is, is, is choosing those and choosing those well. And I, I mean, I remember at Yelp and, 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 and others, we had this progression. At some point, we were managing against calls. And then it's, and it was all right, that doesn't make sense. You could call dead numbers all day. And then sure. we were measuring against call time. And then you had reps calling movie phone back when that was a right. thing and you know doing four hour calls. <laughs> it's, it's coming back, by the way. Uh, and then yeah. and then at some point, you're like, oh gosh, actually we care about meetings or meetings held. Or, you know, of course you're gonna move further down the funnel. It doesn't matter. And back to your point on, on productivity, it's also in the eye of the beholder. Is does the business care about top line growth? Does it care about sales cycle or gross margin right now? It'll, it's gonna change the metrics that the sales team is managed against. The key is choosing the right ones that 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 both drive the behavior you care about and also are easy to understand for the, for mm-hmm. the frontline folks. Right. And then the second thing, and this is the thing that's so simple, but it, it almost everyone fails this test, which is, you know, I'll ask, so I'll ask someone, okay, you know what your metrics are. If I were to go survey your team, what percentage of folks on your team would also say that those same three metrics. And, sure. and when you're, when someone's, transparent or uh, are candid, that number is rarely above 50, 60%, right? And, yeah. and then, and then, and then this, the third question that really freaks them out is, now, would they be able to tell me how they're doing against those numbers? And, and the answer usually is no, and it's certainly not today. It's like, oh, well, they got to wait for their man, the, the weekly dashboard to come out and their manager to tell, you know, walk through them with a one-on-one. And so, mm-hmm. you know, our first message to leaders is, Hey, stop what you're doing on all the fancy kind of AI stuff that you're working on. Just get everyone looking at three metrics, knowing how they're doing. And I, I, I promise you productivity, performance, however you want to define it, will go up double digits. Like 
No, no magic. Yeah. Well, I, I agree a hundred percent, right? It's, it's something so simple as that, that says, yeah, we're all focused on the same, the same target and we can, yeah, we, they, the customer could debate later whether it's the right target or not, but at least having people aligned on the same thing, you can use it for a while and say, okay, what's the data tell us? Is this meaningful for us or not? We can make a change, but yeah, having that alignment is critical. Having the alignment so, is critical. And then, and then of course this, the business changes. And so the process of, Hey, now it's Q2. We care about this thing now and, and getting, you know, 200, a thousand, 5,000 folks pointed in that direction. That's an incredible, it's a Herculean effort. Well, that's an interesting question then. So does changing what are considered your, your sort of core three metrics, can you really change them, let's say quarterly? Well, the, you know, the glib answer is if you have Pathlight, yeah. But the... Um, <laughs> well, the, the, we can the, explore that too. The real... So, the, I mean, the, the challenge, of course, it, and, and, I'll, and maybe I'll, I'll paint the picture why it's so difficult. I mean, you're, you're already kind of thinking about it. Is, so let's say you come out of a board meeting or your, you know, your QBR or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so sometimes metrics do have to change quarterly. You're launching a new product or something like that, right? It's like you've, or you're changing your, mm-hmm. your, your sales motion. You're moving from, you know, biannual to annual contracts, whatever this is, right? Sure. Um, well, that- and that last one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so yeah, you have to change these things. So so what is the function of changing these right now? Is like leaders are affect leaders and managers just become megaphones that are on repeat all day, right? And they we create all these new Salesforce reports and Excel spreadsheets and then we distribute them and we we talk about them all the time and we try to bring them up in team meetings, you know, department meetings, one-on-ones, and we're just trying to change the momentum of the organization and the focus. And, and, you know, the, the end result or the goal is three months later, and usually ends up being six months later, 50% of the population wakes up and now they're thinking about these new metrics, right? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's six months later, they've already changed again, right? And, right? and so you've got the challenge kind of repeats itself. And so what we had identified is, gosh, there is no central single pane of glass that everyone goes to to answer the question, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. And it, and in a way that people understand it, which of course is key, right? It's not right. just showing data. You have the goals, you need the org chart mapped in so that the actual summary is, hey, Alex, you're doing great this week, but keep an eye on metric ABC because it's going down, mm-hmm. right? Or you're, 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 you're below goal. And so that's the, so you've got the static challenge of just what your metrics are today, but then you've got the dynamic challenge of, hey, it's going to change in a quarter and you're going to have to rerun this whole process. Yeah, so we'll, well, take us through how the platform works because I think it's it's as I was going through and looking at it, what I could find is is like it's just I don't know the sort. Well, I was thinking it was back in my sales, you know, frontline sales manager days. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I would have killed for some of this because it's just it gives you a big picture, and I think there's a little bit of danger perhaps where managers don't. Have to sort of be trained how to use it, I think, because I could see some some managers, uh, yeah, overdosing on all the data and and not really focusing on things that are most important. But but take us through the the platform. Sure, um, the 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 performance intelligence platform um, 
as I said, single pane of glass, we sit on top of your, your data stack. And so, you know, sometimes that mm -hmm. could be just Salesforce or Salesforce and outreach or sales loft. Mm -hmm. Very often, and I'm happy to dig into this later, it's coming out of the data warehouse. And we see so many customers, you know, they're moving to the data warehouse. And so right. a lot of that, a lot of that built-in reporting functionality you got from Salesforce, you no longer have. And so there's an added challenge there. But mm -hmm. let's let's just say it's a more kind of uh, easy to understand stack. And so the data is coming out of Salesforce and outreach and, 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 and what have you. We're syncing all that all in. We're then mapping against the org chart, which is ever changing, especially when it's a big organization. We have some mm -hmm. customers, their org chart, you know, they have 50 moves a day because they've got 4,000 right. folks. They're changing right. managers, you know, hiring and firing, et cetera. Right. right. So the aggregations are, you know, they have to map the org chart at any time. Right. right? And then the final piece or the, the, the second to last piece is goals. Now, where do goals live right now? They live in spreadsheets. They mm -hmm. live in color-coded dials on your Salesforce report, right? right. Um, right. You know, the speedometer dial or whatever that we've, we've stared at for years. And, and so, sure, if you're, if you're in ops or you're a leader and you've been doing this for 20 years, you can interpret that. But productivity and performance comes from the frontline employees understanding how they're doing. And knowing how they're doing and addressing issues before it hits their manager's desk at the end of the week or before mm -hmm. it hits the director's desk at the end of the month or the VP's desk at the end of the quarter. And I mean, how often has that happened where something has gone unaddressed until the quarter? And right. then, you know, there's a fire alarm, ops is running reports, etc. Um, and so our goal is take that data and get it into the hands of the people who can actually act on it and help them understand it. And so... The frontline AE, the manager, the director, they all log into Pathlight and it looks identical. The interface that they use is identical across those groups. Of course, they just have a different view of data. That either right. they're looking at one person's data or 10 people or 100 people's data or something like that. And to your question on people having to be trained because they get overwhelmed, um, well, one thing that we did, which was uh, maybe going against the status quo, is... Uh, folks can't change their dashboard in terms of the metrics that are on there uh, and the, even the ordering of those metrics. Because my goal is to create trust in the organization so that the frontline mm -hmm. employee knows when I log on, my boss's boss's boss is looking at the same thing. Mm -hmm. I am being held to the same standard. There's total transparency. I know how my peers are doing against these things and I know what I'm held to do. And so, again, our whole goal, as we said, is to increase productivity. But we don't, there's no there's nothing kind of technically magical. It is about getting everyone looking at the exact same thing and understanding it, taking them out of the 20 browser tabs and spreadsheets and, and, and also preventing them from living in fear of their manager, waiting for their manager to tell them how they're doing in seven days. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they can take out their phone, they can open up their laptop at any time and, and open up their browser and they know exactly how they're doing and what they need to do to improve. Well, let's dig down into the last part. We're yeah. saying know exactly what they need to do to improve. So how's that communicated to them? Sure. Um, so the, the first part is, you know, there's, there's some metric or KPI or behavior effectively, right? And so right. The, 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 the first step is just knowing how they're doing against that and what their goal is, right? And getting back to first principles, that is actually a hard thing to do nowadays, Mm -hmm. And right now that rep probably has memorized their goals or they have to go look it up, right? And of course the goals change and the metrics change. And, you know, how, how often are we doing pacing math in our head, 
right? It's like, hey, okay, right. I got to pace to 30 by the end of the month. There's 20 business days. So like, you know, mm-hmm. how many do I need to do each day, right. et cetera, right? And so we want to we automate all of that. I think maybe the, the analogy that I use often is the weather app for performance. Just like you can take out your phone and check the weather, but you didn't have to look at a barometer reading. You didn't have to look at historical weather patterns. It just said it's going to rain. That's the same idea. The data is all there. We have historical data. We've got trends. We've got the benchmark data across your peers. And we can help you understand in a couple of sentences how you're doing. Now, your second question, or really, I think what you're getting at with your question is, okay, let's say I'm down on meetings booked. Well, how do I actually improve, right? right? And actually, that's where we want to insert the manager. But we want to make it as easy as possible for the manager to insert themselves. Nowadays, managers spend 75% of their time just getting to this point, right? Figuring out, hey, where, where are the fires? And then they've got, don't have a lot of time to, to, to put those fires out. And so we have, the manager has their own kind of summary of performance and they can see, hey, you know, you got to talk to Alex about X and in one click, they can open up the metric and they can draft a coaching message and they can add tasks and mini goals and et cetera. And they can, and it's tagged right against that metric. So that mm-hmm. they can coach on that in real time. Now, I'll, I'll, the, the last thing I'll say is some folks will think, oh, wow, I'm going to get beat up all the time because it's going to be really easy for my manager to do coaching. And what ends up happening is actually recognition goes up because recognition is the thing that goes out the window when you don't have time. Like you just put mm-hmm. the fires out, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have time to celebrate because all you have time for is keeping the wheels on. And right. so... What we see is is when, when you make it easier for managers to coach, positive recognition actually skyrockets, which of course is, is great for a variety of reasons. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about it. Because, yeah, when you see the examples, um, yeah, you guys lean heavily into displaying recognition as part of that. And it actually makes a lot of sense, right? Do you think about it from a manager's perspective? But, yeah, I mean, as I was saying before, as you could sort of also when I was looking at it, it's like, yeah, I could sort of see the danger of somebody that micromanage as well because – I've got all this data, right? Um, and that is sort of an unfortunate tendency of like frontline managers that are sort of inexperienced is, at least I've seen it more and more, is, yeah, less really personal coaching and more sort of coaching to the numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say one of, the, um, one of the added benefits of having this happen in a system versus in a one-on-one or in a, or just in a chat or something like that is there's transparency into the coaching, just like there's transparency into performance. And usually when we roll Pathlight out, a customer will realize, Hey gosh, one of my managers, their management style is do this or else. Right. And I didn't know that. And so now I know that and I can coach the coach. So you're seeing that in the messages they, they send within Pathlight to their sellers. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So if they're the hammer, these these are layers on top of this fundamental idea that everyone needs to know how they're doing. And of course, if the, if the team is small enough, you can, you can get by doing this in spreadsheets or reports and in people's head and in manual. And really, once you cross, cross what we see is about 30 to 40 frontline sellers starts mm-hmm. to break, 70, the next break point, and then you know, 120, 150 to 200, it's a total mess. Because you're just adding layers to the org chart, and so you're adding you're adding ways to to get everyone misaligned. Right. Well, I mean, there is a certain element that seems to me of sort of um, I don't know where it seems a little more 
activity driven. So when, how do you start blending in, um, you know, sort of the, the outcomes based, you know, Hey, yes, you may be behind, um, or say maybe something more, more situational, I guess this is for your, your inside sellers is, is, you know, activity is great. And I, sales fundamentally is a numbers game as much as people don't want to say it as, I mean, it, everybody has their ratios of what works for them. Um, but it seems like one of the things that's, that's missing or an opportunity, let's say with the data that we have is to say, Hey, you know, you've got this next step sort of required. Here's, you know, two or three options. We think one is better based on the historical data and so on. So, that is what you just described is that is what a manager should be spending time on mm-hmm. and that they should be great at. And that, to me, that's the human side because of course right. there's so much context with that account or that, you know, this, right. this group of accounts or this campaign or, or whatever. Right. And so, you know, the manager and the sellers are working together on, on ways on a, in a partic- particular account or opportunity basis or on their outreach to, to, to obviously uh, hit their goals. I, I want that to happen and I want the manager to have as much time as possible. What I don't want the manager to do is be in the back office or be in their desk diving through spreadsheets just trying to figure out what's going on. I yeah. want to automate all of that away for them so that they can be listening to calls, they can be talking to, to customers, they can be on customer calls, they can be you know talking to their AEs or their sellers uh, and they can be coaching on that kind of human the human necessity, high complex, high complexity mm-hmm. challenge. Well, a, a question for you. This is, I was thinking about this earlier today because uh, I was reading this post on LinkedIn and somebody had posted about, uh, maybe somebody you know as well, post about, hey, it's time for everybody to go back to the office. You know, it's just, uh, uh, I think he sort of finished the post with, hey, yeah, I think it's more productive and that's those are the facts, right? And gets this sort of huge pushback, wave of pushback saying, you know, hey, where are the facts, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, it's interesting in your comment because you were talking about the human side because it seems like there's sort of this push to sort of, you know, take experience and intuition out of the equation. And maybe I think this is, you know, a certain segment of the population that just says, yeah, if it's not in the data, uh, you know, it's not there, right? It doesn't exist. And yeah, just curious about your perspective on, okay, yeah, we've got a lot of data, but do we really understand what it means? And yeah, what is the role of, of experience and intuition and gut feel when we are so data driven? I think the way that I think about it, the person that you, you mentioned, uh, you know, that, that, that represents the historical way of thinking about sales and sales management, which is command and control top down and really heavily manage inputs Right, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make eighty dollars a day. You're gonna send five hundred emails a week. Blah blah blah. Right. Right. Um, the and 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 that also was a, a a a methodology of management that worked really well in the office because you could literally you know lord over your pod and see mm-hmm. who is calling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're making eighty dollars a day, like unless you are talking to a customer, you are not, like or you're you're gonna go to the bathroom. You're on the phone. Right. right? And so. People are kind of have this mental model here. I think the shift that 
should happen and is happening for innovative companies is moving towards trust and verify mm-hmm. and managing towards outputs. And this goes back to your question. This goes back to your point about intuition. It's like when you manage towards outputs, the message is, hey, each person's different. You have your own strengths. Some of you are, you know, real gut feel sellers. Other you, other uh, others are process sellers. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, as long as you get, you get there to the goal, then you're going to get rewarded. And of course, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm going to trust that you, you know what you're doing. Of course, I'm going to verify. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to train you. I'm not. We're not going to be caught at the last day of the month or last day of quarter. And, you know, with a total surprise. Sure. But, but the, the, the mindset in general is shifting. And I, I kind of spoke as we, we went through this at, at Yelp as we started managing towards inputs and we started pushing our way to the output, right? And, and so that is how we maintain our humanity in a really data-driven, data-driven uh, uh, world is, of course, there's data. And, of course, you know, we have goals and those goals need to be hit. And, you know, there's a larger question on setting the right goals and, and, and the science and the art of that. But that aside, um, the, in my view, the, the, the more sustainable, the more humane way of doing this, and honestly, the way that drives productivity and retention over time is going to be moving from command and control to trust and verify and moving from managing inputs to managing outputs. Now, again, the key thing here is alignment and getting everyone to be aligned on that same page, right? Because when you when you move to managing outputs, you're really trusting that they kind of know the system that that, that gets to that output, and mm. and then you know you're opening yourself up for surprises. So as long as you manage against that, then you it's a much healthier and and, and what we see is a much more productive sales organization. Well, but there's a whole other school of thought that says, look, what you really need to do is not focus on outcomes. I mean, this is really prevalent, let's say, in certain, I hate to drag sports cliches into it, but, you know, just reading about this actually yesterday about uh, this very successful soccer team, a huge soccer fan, uh, look in this tiny remote town in northern Norway, yet they're, you know, one of the very competitive in you know, sort of international competitions. Um, and people always wonder, well, how do you compete in such a small club against the big clubs? And they said, you know, they sort of taken the focus away on from outcomes to focus on process, but process in the sense of, you know, you, you can only focus on things you can control. And so I wonder, you know, I mean, I, I get where you're going. I, I, I don't see it quite as much the same way because I still see managers sort of doubling down on, on uh, conformity as opposed to, which I think would be one of the, based on my understanding of what you're doing, is, is have this ability to really tailor goals and processes to individual metrics for individuals very easily, is because you know, people are going to have a different path perhaps to reach the same, the same output. And yeah we seem to be less willing to accommodate the difference. I mean, but you are sort of, sir, I sort of understand what you're saying is maybe you feel perhaps that there is more of a willingness to accommodate difference. I haven't seen it yet though. So I'm curious on your, your perspective on that. Well, I, I think what I'm, what I'm seeing is, you know, we're, we're entering into, um, 
you know, the, the second or third decade of, of data-driven selling where the data is coming out of software or coming mm-hmm. out of, 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 of technology in some capacity, right? right. Um, and so it's, you know, you, you see things evolve over time. And what I'm seeing by, by, by the top performing companies mm-hmm. is, is a lot of the things that I first mentioned is going from 40 metrics to three, right? Right. And, and, and focusing on quanti- quality over quantity, right? Uh, especially as it comes to prospecting, seeing a massive change there, right? Um, now, uh, uh, to, your, to, to, your, to your question, when the output doesn't necessarily need to be revenue, the output yeah. could be somewhere else in the, in the pipeline, but it's, it's more of an output and not an effort or a hustle metric. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the big change. I mean, even 10 years ago, it, it was still, you know, the the best practice to say you're going to do 80 dials a day. Right. And and well, or, or whatever that might be. Yeah, I don't think it was 10 years ago. I mean, there's still companies saying that, you know, in the SaaS world, it's not not unusual here. People talk about these, you know, purely activity driven, quantity based metrics. Which I, th- I think, you know, I attribute some of that to just sort of inexperience on the part of managers. Um, because they haven't had the level of experience to say, yeah, it's not all about that. And and so that's the 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 first part is, and and maybe maybe that output is simply just meetings, but it's mm-hmm. not calls, right? And so that we mm-hmm. see companies moving towards meetings or responses, or you know, even at the top end of the funnel, something that's more of an outcome, but to, you know, as much in the control of the seller as possible. You know, you try to remove as much extrinsic reason, extrinsic reasons for them not to hit that goal. That's the that's that's one thing we're seeing. And then the 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 final thing that we're we're, we're seeing, uh, and you were touching on this, is a is sophistication around goal setting. Now, right. think about how we would set goals in the past. It was you know the the CFO or the CEO or COO would say, okay, we got to do this much revenue, right? And, you know, VP sales or sales ops just does some division, right? It's like, okay, like I've got this many, like this is our goal, right? And, you know, of course, you're going to have different goals across SMB, mid-market commercial, you know, different segments, territories, etc. But within that team, there's usually a blanket goal. And that goal, you know, that goal does not, and it's, that goal is static. It doesn't change throughout the, you know, the, the month or the quarter, and it applies to everybody, regardless of historical performance. And so what we see is companies and our customers are leveraging our platform to do this is every few weeks, they'll set the first, they set a dynamic goal that it takes mm-hmm. into account past performance. Right. So and a, a and dynamic then, goal for, let's say, what type of metric? Let's let's say it's um, uh, uh uh, deals closed, but it's like a high velocity sale or something like that. Right. And okay. so, right. or any, you could say, again, meetings booked or something like that. So someone did, someone did, you know, like person a did 10 last month, person B did 12 and person C did six. They should have different goals for the next month. And those goals should be, you know, uh, and you know, it depends on some analysis that you run. Hey, maybe I want the middle to increase 20%. I think there's highest likelihood for that. The folks who are top producers, they probably can't do more than a 10% improvement. And the, and the bottom producers, maybe I'm, I'm optimistic and I think they can improve a lot, or maybe I'm pessimistic and I think they can't improve and we're going to have to work through that. And so you can set dynamic goals at those levels, and then those goals 
don't necessarily need to stay the same for the quarter or for the or for the month. They can change, and they can change as the as as the the performance of the entire organization develops. And so this is we're 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 seeing this um, happen. Uh, uh, starting to happen more and more often as companies are getting more sophisticated and more data driven. Mm-hmm. They're looking at, you know, first they were looking at metrics and, and kind of innovating on the process there. Now they're looking at goal setting, which arguably is probably the most important thing, um, it, especially if we're talking about human psychology here. These are not, you know, we're not robots, right? It's like the goal, what the goal is impacts so many different things. And so yeah. it's, it's something that we're, that we're seeing a lot, which is really interesting. Well, and I think from the psychology standpoint, this is something I've talked a lot about is, <clears throat> is you hear this all the time, like, yeah, sales managers saying, well, you know, we've got to, if we can't, we got to accelerate or make our onboarding more effective, right? We need people to be fully ramped at 90 days. And it's like, two point you made earlier is, hey, people learn at different rates, right? How do you accommodate somebody? In fact, <laughs> as I was challenging somebody last week is on at a company, it's like, okay, so do you have any data at all that says that sellers that ramp faster perform better at the one-year mark and at the one-and-a-half and, and two-year mark than those that maybe took six months? Is, is this ability to be able to accommodate, as you talked about, be able to accommodate the individual, is that something I think has really been lost a lot over the last 10, 15 years and needs to come back, right? I, I sort of looked at your tool and thought, well, this is sort of a way to do that, right, as you can – not everybody's going to have the same goals. Our, from a human psychology standpoint, is you know, how do we make people successful? As we, in part, is by helping them experience success, it, right? It, so it, if exactly. everybody's got the, if everybody's got the same goals out of the shoot, but somebody's going to take, you know, an extra three to six months to, you know, where it suddenly hits it, you know, they get it. You see this in other pursuits, other in sales. That some people just learn at different rates and adapt to different rates. Hey, I want to make sure that person's staying engaged and feeling confident about what they're doing. So I want to design a path for them to get to that point where they get it. That, yeah, admittedly, it's not going to be as aggressive as some other people, but when they get to that point, they're going to feel like they were supported and we help develop them and perhaps we keep them around longer. And and the idea is spot on. The idea is that there are multiple paths to success. Right. And, you know, of course, we want everyone to be successful at some point in time, but we should be able to support and customize every and, and support everyone's unique path to success. Of course, that is very hard to do manually. Right. And especially oh, yeah. as a group scales and as the team grows, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard just to get everyone focused on the, 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 the old way of just like a blanket goal and like blanket mm-hmm. metrics. Right. And so this custom model, like this is one of the, the, you know, pe- people talk about um, AI and machine learning. It's 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 like database software, where um, of course there's going to be some AI specific companies, but really what's going to happen is AI is just going to be a just a normal part of every single product, right? And yeah. and it's just a part of the stack. So this is a great example, right? It's like this can only be done with technology, with with machine learning models that can both you know look at a large corpus of data as and then tune it to that specific customer and their historical data so that you can have these dynamic goals and also i think there's always going to be or there 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 will be foreseeable future a human in the loop to help verify confirm coach improve and recognize um and so it, it, yeah we're 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 on the same page here which is 
there's, I, I think maybe this is a little bit um, uh, uh, hyperbolic, but I think a lot of folks underestimate someone's potential to improve. They assume oh, yeah. that, you know, that seller, they did 400K last year. They probably will, you know, they probably, if they worked really hard, they could do 600K this year, right? How many folks have we seen who, you know, did 400K and then did a million or 1.2 or something? Mm -hmm. Like they just, they just, they just, they just knocked it out of the park. It's possible. And of course, you know, hard work is, and, and all these things are needed. And so I think the, these things that we are talking about can have a really outsized impact on the success of a team. And we're not talking about a 20% or 10% optimization. These are, these are things that, you know, you, you, you do it right. There are massive outcomes that could be, could be achieved. Yeah. I mean, this, this idea of being able to use data, not to uh, enforce conformity or compliance, but to treat people more individually and uniquely is is the use of data that I think gets overlooked, and but it's one of the great things as you talked about is that you know this is done automatically for you. This is automated. This is not where you have to sit down and dig out these insights about your people through spreadsheets. You surface them, and yeah, I think as a manager, to move from this command and control structures you talked about to you know trust and verify, which I think is the name of a new great new book by Stephen M. R. Covey about this leadership styles is transformational for sellers and for, you know, frontline managers and leaders in general. Um, but I think it's a, I think there's a generation of sellers that have come up. So relying on, on the data, as I said, more for compliance as opposed to how it's enabled. It's an enabler as opposed to a tool of control. Yeah. They, they very often, you know, you talk to a top performing seller the way they think about data and metrics is like, well, like I got to do this or I'm going to get yelled at. So like, you know, I, I, I do these things, like I make this many calls or whatever. And then the rest of my time is actually on the thing that I know is effective because I'm a top performer and I know how to hit my number. Right. Exactly. And so they think exactly. about it as like, you know, that attacks really um, when it, when it shouldn't be. No, no, you're, you're I like the, yeah. Framing as attacks is exactly what it is. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think an interesting thing with a tool like Pathlight is, is, yeah, enables managers who might, as I said, go too far one direction with the data to become more effective. And I mean, I like what you talked about the coaching and and the way you can set up your templates for your coaching sessions. So you have this consistency that you can create that in an expectation setting for for coaching that quite frankly, is, is missing. I mean, you talk to most sellers, they say, hey, we're not getting the coaching we need, or in some cases, just not getting coaching at all, uh, in the sense of something other than, hey, let's do a pipeline review. And, and the interesting thing is, is once a team is of a certain scale, I would, you know, hundreds or thousands, right? just, you know, before we get to the coaching, before we get to any of this kind of second order best practice, just getting a thousand people pointed in the same direction mm -hmm. that that is you know we we have customers who's like who who have said gosh you guys have you know you guys created 10 or 20 million dollars in value here how would you do it and you know i i, I maybe i wish i could have some 
uh, super technical, you know, uh, uh, product that automated that $20 million of ROI. But I simply just tell them, you had the people, we, we, we just pointed them in the same direction. We got every single one of them to think about their and understand their own mm-hmm. performance. And those numbers went up. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. And so, you know, we're, we're talking about all these like second order things that are, I think, the, the next steps. But this foundational base case, you know, is is actually where where what most companies struggle with today, in, in our view. Yeah. Well, and I think not to necessarily interpret what you're saying, but what I was hearing, and it certainly aligns with what I talk about in my book and everything, is latest book and everything, is that you know, being successful in sales is a matter of operating with intention. Right. It's it's not about being robotic or overly scripted or you know a slave to a process. But it's saying, hey, what am I? What am I intentionally going to do? That's going to be able to help my buyer at this point in time, right? Or what am I intentionally going to do to help myself be better in those situations when in front of buyers? I mean, it's, it's just uh, like sales. You know, everything you do has to be justified in sales. Otherwise, you potentially waste time, uh, not your own time, but the buyer's time. And I think, yeah, having this type of data can help you become more intentional. Yeah, and and those intentions, uh, uh, they change as your circumstances change. You know, you you want it's sure. you re- you realize that hey, I've actually been doing a really great job in my discovery calls, but all that research time has eaten into my prospecting time, right? Exactly. And so now I'm gonna I can see this in my data, and so I'm gonna yep. course correct, and I'm gonna yep. be intentional about my schedule moving forward, and I'm gonna block out two hours a day for prospecting or or, or whatever that is. Our right. general view is. Uh, we, we want to empower the frontline employee to make that decision and make mm-hmm. that decision quickly. Right. And, you know, the quicker they make it, the the less of a blip it is on your end of quarter, you know, end of quarter report. Right. Uh, for at, at, the, at the VP level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. Oh, good. Well, Alex, we've run out of time, but I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, people want to learn more about uh, Pathlight or connect with you. What's the best way to do that? Pathlight.com. Uh, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, but the website has all the information you might need about Pathlight. Perfect. All right, Alex, thanks so much. Thanks, Andy. Enjoyed it. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank our guest, Alex Kwame, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.